back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Raven on the Podcast. My name is Natalie Bohensky. With me, as always, is Stuart Late. Hello! It's getting late. It's getting late. It's getting Stuart Late. <laughs> A pun on my name, I've never heard that before. I bet, yeah, you know. No, not know. once, that's Have the first time. Have you ever noticed that your last name is a homonym? Mm. For a L-A-T-E. Homonym. Yes, a homonym. Yes, so we are watching Game of Thrones from Series 1, Episode 1, right up to Series 5, Episode 10, (laughs) and recapping each one as we go with hindsight and a lot of good memories and fun times. And we hope hope you're watching them with us as well, but if you're watching them for the first time, for God's sake, don't listen to what we're saying here. Yeah, no. Because we're just spoiling the crap out of it. Yeah, we should put spoiler warnings on Please do, please do watch these episodes before. Yeah. If you've already seen them, you don't need to go back and rewatch them. You can listen to us giving you a bit of an update. If you've never seen it, and if you haven't seen the whole series, we we are just spoiling huge amounts of stuff. So please do. I'll do a major spoiler now. Jon Snow? Dead, apparently. <laughs> I'll do another major spoiler. Totally not. But anyway. You reckon not dead? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Anyway. I don't. He's, he's not dead. I mean, there have been, been pictures now, but... Even before that, that was never going to be a thing. You don't reckon Jon Snow's dead? He's absolutely not dead. <laughs> I don't reckon he's, he's, he's that dead. No one can have abs that beautiful and not live. No. To show them off. It would be a crime against nature. Oh, Jon Snow. Sorry, where were we? We were up to episode <laughs> seven of series one. You win or you die. Yes. In which Ned finally confronts Cersei and she is the one who utters those famous words. You when you, you play die. the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Which we haven't really heard again since. Mostly because everyone's been too busy dying. I was about to say yes. The people, are, the people who won and the people who died. And yeah. Yes. And in this episode, big one who dies, King Robert. Yes. Gored yes. by a boar. That happened at the start of this episode, didn't it? That's... Or in the middle of the episode, it yeah, it sort of happens off screen. Like yeah, final... it, it, the actual death happens yeah. off screen. He's, he's it's funny actually that I guess it's fitting in a way because like there's all these political machinations happening around his death that the actual death itself just sort mm. of happens quietly off screen. It's a fait accompli. Yeah. So everyone's like, well, oh, he's gone. He's bought the farm. Yeah. And he's like, I'm still here. And everyone's like, we don't care. We now have to move on. <laughs> Things move quickly. If this, like if, this happened, if this happened in season five, all right, there would already be fan theories about how Robert's not dead and he's going to come back and like lead the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's season one and people just like, this is what happened. It's funny though, because it was a shock to me when I was like, wow, they're killing off this ostensibly lead character. Yeah, absolutely. And it still it should have been. A, it should it have been a warning. Sh- he really should have been. <laughs> Considering what's to come in about two episodes' yes. time. But we, uh, I, I was just like, oh, oh, I suppose they, yeah, I suppose he had to die for the plot to keep rolling along. Yeah. But again, it's about all these, um, and you've been saying, Stuart, as we've been watching these, it's all these sort of expectations of what a fantasy show should be. Yeah. And how Martin is sort of systematically breaking all of them. Just breaking them one by one. Yeah. Um, yeah, really just dismantling the idea of a fantasy universe and, and using your own expectations against you. Like, you, we know, we've all seen Lord of the Rings. We know how this goes. Mm. But just endlessly subverting what we're expecting to happen in, and, in really cool ways. And what happens to a lot of our heroes in this is that they have quite ignoble deaths. So Robert, yes. this great, you know, warrior of the field, mm. 
who constantly talks about his victories and how he loved warfare and all this stuff and ideally probably would have wished to have died in battle yes. mid-swing. <laughs> and he dies of being, you know, gutted by a boar. Kill, well, killed by a pig is what he says. Yeah. And then I love, I thought it was, it was actually really sad and you pointed it out that he says to Ned, you know, I got, I got the bastard though. Like he killed the pig, he killed the yeah. boar that killed him. He said, cook it up and have a big feast and everyone can eat it. And it never happens. No. They never do that. <laughs> Just immediately they start infighting and, and then it all kicks off. But When William the Conqueror died back in, I think it's oh, 1099, I think he died, uh, or 1090. You know, you, we all remember where we were. Yeah, when William the Conqueror died. He was buried in France because, of course, he was Duke he was of Normandy before Normandy, he was yes. King of England. And he, he was so fat by the end. And how he died was... Oh, yes, I remember uh, this, yeah. His um, horse had sort of stumbled on a mm. hot coal and kind of half thrown him forward. And so his stomach had kind of gone into the, I don't know, the bit of the, the saddle. Pommel. The pommel, yes. yes. And that had busted his, his stomach. Oh. So he bled to death internally, mm. basically. And he was so fat by that point that they squished his body into a sarcophagus, mm. but with yep. all the buildup of gases and stuff, it exploded. He was like a giant human balloon at that point. Yeah, like filled with meaty, yes. meatiness. <laughs> and all of his assistants had kind of grave robbed him, so he was this big, nude, bloated, gassy corpse <laughs> left on the floor of this chapel, and everyone nicked off with everything yeah. and just left him there. Mm. To putrefy. The first the first king of England, basically. And that's basically <laughs> the same thing that happens with Robert, I think. Yes. That they're just like, oh, he's dead now. Okay, cool. Uh, just dump him out back in the pit. Yeah, yeah. Just in the latrine pit. I, I'm fine. trying to remember if we ever get a funeral scene for Robert. I don't think we do. So yeah. we can just basically assume and that Joffrey, they rolled him down to the you know, crypts. You see Joffrey sitting on his throne going, make all the preparations for my, for my coronation. Yes. Like he's not even thinking about a mourning period for the former king. Yeah. You know, but then this is the world that they're in is they've mm. got to move quickly to consolidate power. That's right. There's no time for fond memories. And there's no time there's no time for honor and that's another thing like mm. I know we talked about this last episode and it's going to keep coming up like Ned Stark tries to act honorably. It's suggested to him quite strongly by Varys that he should get some men together and go and kidnap Joffrey and have him safe and under his control because whoever controls the king controls the kingdom. And he says, no, I'm not doing that on the night of my best friend's, you know, death. Like, we're going to honor him and, and all this sort of thing. And if Is he'd it just done Renly that, I, it might have been, Renly, I might have been Renly. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it might have been Renly. If he'd just done that, there, there's, there's several points in mm. this episode where you just think if he had just done what someone said was a good thing to do, he probably would have been able to remain the regent and everything would be okay. Yeah. But he doesn't because he's an honorable man. And, and we also, see what happens to honorable men in this Cersei universe. Cersei is pretty fierce. Pretty it fierce. would have been really difficult to get Joffrey out from <laughs> under her clutches. Because we see that, you know, there's the confrontation between Ned and Cersei where he fronts up with the whole, hey, you boned your brother and all those kids are your brothers and not Roberts. And she doesn't deny it. She's like, yeah, yeah, we're totally into each other. We shared a womb together. We belong together. Targaryens married their siblings. Like, what of it? What of it? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, lady, you're going to need to run far, far away. <laughs> but he gives her that out because, as you say, he's honourable. And I don't think he would have ever expected that she would turn around and kind of fight so hard. Yeah, it just it seems completely foreign to him that someone would do something 
differently to him. It seems really strange. Mm. Like, it's just such a fatal character flaw that he's so honourable that he can't imagine anyone acting dishonourably, if that Mm. makes sense. It's just so outside of what he considers possible. It's funny you raise that because it makes me wonder, like, do we, spoiler alert, when we finally lose Ned Stark, yes. you know, and, and there was mourning. Oh, there we'll, was, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> but it does make me wonder if re-watching it, we don't sort of assess him a bit differently given the light of what we know and go, oh, Ned, please get, see what these people ask. Yeah. You know, as you say, he's got his code and he's so bound by it. Well, it's shocking. And, and like, we'll probably talk about that more in the, in the episode where it happens. But yeah. by the end, whatever mysterious by, thing <laughs> Whatever happens. mysterious thing happens. Yeah. Even now, like you see him, he's a, a wreck. He's walking with a cane. He mm. went. He rode out from Winterfell. Still, the the powerful Lord Eddard Stark, Lord of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. He walks into that throne room. He is a bowed, hobbling shell of a man. Yeah. In like six months, I think he's been there. He's or had to beg. He's had to frantically Baelish. try and get some nous about him and do a little bit of wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. But, get the gold but only only stuff that like fits in with his own sort of worldview. And King's Landing has broken him. He, mm. It is just a battlefield he is not prepared to fight on. And it's just really sad to see because he is a fantasy hero. Yeah. He is absolutely... An old school fantasy hero. He's a knight in shining armor who is chivalrous and bound by honor and always the good guy and does the right thing and believes that doing the right thing will lead you to good places. And it does not, because that is not this No, universe. it leads you to Peter Baelish screwing you That's over. That's right. And we end this episode with him holding a dagger to Ned Stark's throat saying, I told you not to trust me. That's right. Which, which first time around, I, I was genuinely shocked by. Not to trust me, I told you. <laughs> with, exactly. with his weird half Irish act, he's still trying at this point. Mm. He's still trying to put on some sort of like half British accent, but... He drops it by season two. There's a lovely moment when he rocks up in that throne room with the gold cloaks behind him and he thinks he's got the numbers. And there's this fearsome sight of Joffrey with Cersei and Varys and Baelish and the Kingsguard. And, you know, they're all in armour and it looks very fearsome. But then he brings out the will, Robert's will, yes. which he we'd seen earlier he takes down this will, and instead of writing my heir Joffrey, he writes my rightful heir. So he does a little bit of work there. Leaves himself a loophole. Yeah, and gets the message to Stannis. And Mm. that's his role in that series, essentially, is to bring Stannis into this battle for the throne. That's that's his main job that he's fulfilled. And he gives this will to Barristan, who's very trustworthy. And Cersei, you know, the will says, oh, Ned is to be the regent. And so she goes, may I see that letter? May I see that letter? And she just takes it and rips it up. Tears and it again, pieces. she says, you think this is your shield, a piece of mm. paper. And again, it's that whole, Ned thinks, well, it's written down. Then you've it's got to down. believe it. Robert signed it. And like, Sebastian reckons it's all good. And like, he's, he's confirmed it. So everyone knows it's true. So now what's said can't be unsaid. That's right. And Cersei's like, no, nope. screw you. And I love that kind of ballsiness that she has at that moment. You know, obviously Cersei's a despicable character, but, you know, you've got to love to hate her. Yes, oh, she's and a magnificent she villain. It's absolutely amazing. just, no, not giving you anything. Yep, that's fine. And so then uh, Ned Stark ends up on the wrong end of a, of a coup. Yes, which we will see the result of in a couple of episodes. Speaking of the wrong end of things, 
What segue does that work? I was about to say, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what you're alluding to. We see Tywin Lannister for the first time with Jamie. We do. I, I actually, for some reason, I remember him being a season two character. Really? Yeah, I, I had forgotten that he shows up yeah. at the end of this season. It's it's really strange. I he's not in it a huge amount. He's but not, enough. but he is there. Yeah. Like, like he, I I remember him having a big entrance in season two, and I think he does. He does. Yeah, he rocks up into Harren Hall and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But but like, because obviously he has all those scenes with Arya in season two. But it, it, I I remember him showing up for the first time in season two, and I completely forgot. So he was actually a genuine surprise, and I'm like, oh yeah, that scene in the tent where he's skinning the the stag, skinning a stag, and symbolism, just, yeah. symbolism, symbolism. <laughs> Not only the stag, but the fact is we see Tywin from the very outset with his hands dirty. Yes, he's got blood this on his is hands. Not, yeah, this is not a character who shies mm. away from dirty work. Yes. And we see that later on with how he wins the Battle of Blackwater, yeah, bringing absolutely. in the Tyrells, with how he dispenses with... <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> oh, red wedding business. <laughs> it's all him. Bruce Bolton. Boo his Bolton. Bruce Bolton. <laughs> Sorry, you just reminded me of that guy. Oh, we got that all ahead of us. Oh, we got know. that all ahead of us. That's going to be a slog. That he's, bit. He's in. I think he's in the end of this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in series two quite a bit. Yeah, and you don't in notice series him. Two. That's the crazy thing. He's one of Rob's big advisors. He's one of the good really guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's a bastard. Um, well, Who has a bastard? He has a bastard. Who's a bastard? Who's a complete bastard? <laughs> Uh, and so... <laughs> Almost we, cartoonishly so. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So, uh, Tywin is, is a man who does everything mm. he does for his family name. He states that right up front. Like, like they, yeah, they pretty much put that right there. And it's incredible motivation. And the thing is, like, the combination of how well that character is written, his motivation, mm. just, just the scenes that he's in is just so well done. And Charles Dance is amazing. Oh. Like, so good. Even if you were just judging on his voice alone, that man yeah. has a, an incredible voice. And just his performance, he's so stern, but he's like he's... flinty. He's got those little... But he's got that little twinkle, like he's got that little twinkle of, um, like, just intelligence. Like, he's not just yeah. a mean bastard. No, no. He's, he's, he's a, the ultimate pragmatist. He's cunning. Yeah. He's, he's rat cunning. Yeah. And he has this... Um, he's a character we're supposed to... I think we're supposed to hate him. But I, I don't no, I don't think anyone hates Tywin Lannister. Like, he is an amazing character. Well, shout out to Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better Science podcast. Yes. He's a huge fan of, of Tywin. Mm. Because he goes, no, Tywin's right. He's done all this work <laughs> to secure his family. Yeah. And his stuff-up children... Well, that's true. Yeah. ...are just a constant disappointment to him. Constantly screwing up his good work. And screwing each other, There he is, trying to do the best thing for his family name, and they're off on their little petty jealousies, and Tyrion's always farting about with paws. <laughs> and so for Greg, it's like this whole, no, I get his frustration. He's mm. trying to do some business here. Yes. And he's got this messed-up family. Exactly. screwing him over. That's right. No, um, right. His whole motivation, and we find out more and more of it as the series goes on but yeah like his entire motivation is just keep the family like protect the family honor the family keep the family name going mm. so the lannister name and is he, everything to him. you made a good point about saying oh yes this is blonde haired blue eyed man you know making promises to <laughs> start a dynasty that the will last, last a thousand, thousand years, years. <laughs> there was a lot of symbolism in that scene yeah yeah there was <laughs> there really was and of course jamie is uh, jamie's sort of hard to read at this point like i still don't like him 
because he's just, you know, speared Ned Stark. Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I, th- I find myself liking and sympathising with Jamie a lot more this time through. Yeah. But only because yeah. I know what comes later. That's like, I know true. The, the, the enormous amount of character development they do with that character. But you see it, you see the beginnings of it all layered in here. Like, he has that scene with Tywin. You know, he says, does it bother you when they call you Kingslayer? Mm, and he says, mm. of course it bothers me. Mm. And it does. It genuinely does. Jamie considers himself an honourable knight who did an honourable thing by killing the Mad King. Yeah. And everyone hates him for it. Yeah. And know? we find out later on, of course, it's because Ares wanted to burn everyone. Burn everyone, yeah, Burn exactly. them all. Burn them yeah. all. But he is, um, you know, Tywin giving him a tongue lashing going... You've got a good family name. You know, you're young. You're, you're a good fighter. Mm. What have you done with these gifts? You've just been a glorified bodyguard. Jeez, <laughs> Dad. Come on. <laughs> so, um, again, looking forward to seeing more of Tywin, even though yes. I know, you know, some of it's horrible, but he does have some of the best antagonistic scenes with people. Yeah, like, like just but every... If Tywin's in a scene, you always get this amazing just joust of some kind. Like, yeah, like... He's so He's very good. Lock verbal horns with someone. We also had in oh, up north. We we went to the wall. We did for the first time in a while. I think to see the knights watching. Mm. Yeah, for, for certainly no wall in the last two eps, but uh, ep seven. Yep, we're back and Sam and John and the gang are all taking their <laughs> vows. And John finds out that he's not in fact going to become a ranger as he assumes that he will. Mm. Uh, instead, he's being groomed for command and given a job with uh, Commander Mormont to, mm. you know, fetch him hot water. And it's <laughs> so funny. Like, John is so – as much as I love Jon Snow, and I'm sure you'll be surprised to hear that, but I do, in fact, love Jon Snow. It comes as a shock to me. Yeah, it so, does, yeah. yeah. But he is such an emo in this scene, <laughs> in this episode, where he finds it. Because he says to – you know, Sam says, oh, it's the steward's life for me. I'm not a ranger. And John's like, there's honour in the stewards. Yes. There's honour in the stewards. That, that and then he turns scene, around yeah. and says, I'm not a servant. Did you take me for a servant? <laughs> but actually, the, the whole sequence actually plays out as this a really nice little comedy bit. Yeah. And I, it's very it's very subtle, but they're obviously playing it for laughs, where you just, like, John cannot believe the indignity of having to be a steward. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Sam who shows the wisdom. In, and it won't be the last time that no. Sam does this by going, hey, dickhead. Do you see what they're doing? That's right. You're now working for the commander of the watch. You'll learn You're essentially about... his squire. Like, you going... Like, it's fine. It'll all work out okay. Yeah, just hold your horses. Don't be in such a rush to go out and get dead by white That's walkers. right. And, of course, you... And you said this. It's like the, the, the first great mystery of Game of Thrones is what happened to Benjen. Yeah, because his, his horse comes back with mm. all his gear on it and he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. And we still don't know what no happened idea. to Benjen Stark. Lots of theories. Lots of very impressive theories out there. Oh, okay. Um, some of them mostly involving stuff that happens in the books, apparently, uh, which I haven't read, but uh, some of them involve it. Like, so there's people out there who say he's he's that white walker that people... That oh, really? At, um, at Hardhome. Oh, wow. Yeah, and stuff like that. Like, like people have thrown... Like, and that's just one of them. There's, there's a whole bunch of crazy theories about who, yeah. what happened to Benjamin Stark. The simple theory is that he is dead. Yeah. Uh, but... Who knows? Who knows with this show? Yeah, we don't see a body. Certain, certain characters, well, one in particular, is definitely coming back this season. <laughs> and who knows which others will come back. There's been all sorts of theories I about would love that, to see Benjen again. I'd love to see him again, yeah. too. I think he was a great character. He's a good actor. I hope they get the same actor to play. Because yeah. as we said, I think last podcast, 
they have a bad habit of just recasting roles on the show. <laughs> and with this many characters, it does make it a bit confusing to keep track sometimes. Absolutely. Well, then Ghost, uh, John's dog, just at the very end, finds a dismembered hand. Mm. And so we start getting more of the White Walker yes. kind of business coming through, which I think we'll follow a bit in the next episode. Oh, we have the attack on Danny, on Danny. the assassination attempt, mm. I should say, on Danny over in wherever the hell they are. <laughs> we, we... Are they still are they, in, I think they're, they're still, still in Vase, Dothraki. I'm pretty sure they are, but then is there market? There must be a market a nearby, market I guess. in Vase, The show is very loose about everything that happens in ESOS. Like, yeah. it just doesn't doesn't really care. <laughs> it doesn't seem like... It seems like... Around. It, it does a lot of world building over in Westeros. Yeah. And then, and then it's like the continent, you know. And then the continent. we've only got Danny to worry about over in the other place. Mm. So as long as we know, oh, it's Danny. We don't really mind where she is, so I guess that's how they do it. And that prompts uh, Drogo, who wasn't keen to take his horses across the water, no. the poison water, all of a sudden he changes his mind. He, has, he, goes, one, he has one of his two awesomely badass scenes. <laughs> uh, the other one's coming up. Is, oh, I, think the yes. next, I think the next episode, you I know what I know I'm the talking one about. You know exactly about. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this shows why they invented the Dothraki language for the show, because his yeah. speech about how he's going to go to Westeros and take the Iron Throne for his son, who's the stallion, mm. he'll mount the world, and he's going to rape their women and take their children as slaves. It just would not sound any good in English. No, just, it could, but but it sounds really impressive when he's sparking out like a guttural yeah. um, language that he, yeah. that he is. I do. I do like though that 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 whole speech sort of does a bit of a bit of an up then down. <laughs> he starts off really kind of. Yeah. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to win the war and I'm going to take the things and sail on the ships and go over there and win the battles and. Tear down their castles, and I'm like, I'm with you, Drogo, I'm with yeah. you. And he's like, and then I'm going to rape their women, and I'm going to, like, slave their children. I'm like, oh, okay, you, lo- you lost me. You lost me. You may- maybe workshop that before you get over there. And Danny's like, oh, baby, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it means so much to me that you're going to rape all the women. Uh, yeah. But, Stu, I don't think, I think we should finish this podcast. Well, we should definitely finish this podcast. This is, But, but yes. it would be remiss of us to not mention... The great episode of Sex Position in this episode, oh, yes. You Win or You Die. Yes. Where Peter Baelish delivers a, what, I don't know, 10 to 15 minute monologue. <laughs> it, it actually felt like that. It felt very long. While Roz, who's just popped down to King's Landing yes. in the space of an episode, half an episode. Uh, so Roz and another girl are auditioning, practicing for yeah, their roles. It feels as like tryouts, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. Prostitute tryouts. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, was there a was there a, a point where they would have not passed? Like, was this going to be a thing? And 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 so Littlefinger is very seriously delivering this monologue about how he was just the you know plaything of Cat Stark, and he realised that he would never be big and strong enough to fight yeah. people, so he'd have to fuck them. And ah, two meanings of the word language warning, language warning. And meanwhile, Roz and this other girl are just going at each other. Really quite, quite explicit. Yeah. Like, probably as explicit as they could. They write, they write it right up to the line. Yeah. They really, really do. I mean, there's a lot of shots of over, you know, the, the, the woman who's lying down over her, mm. you know, chest and stomach and like right there. And, yes. You know, Roz <laughs> is working it away. And, 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 and as I was saying to you, Stu, you kind of, Almost tune Baelish out. 
Like if the, yeah, if the idea was to go, look, we need him to do a whole bunch of explaining things and we don't want it to be boring. So mm. let's just put two chicks having some pretty intense experiences. Yes. Uh, but this was the scene. I remember this was the scene back, back when this first aired where people did finally sort of go, Hey, so you're just using like boobs to distract us from my exposition <laughs> now, right? That's what, that's what's going on. Viserys has that scene a couple of episodes ago in the bathtub with, yeah, the, with the girl. Jerry, I think it is. And yeah. he drops a lot of exposition and there's mm. boobs to distract you. Yeah. And, but this is a big, he, it's a long speech. Yeah. It's a long, it goes for minutes. Yeah. And I think they realized. Couldn't tell they, you a word of it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I know the gist, but I don't, there's no memorable lines in there or anything like that. And they thought, well, we I could can't, punch I can't this up. Fight them, so I'll have to fuck them. That's, that's right, that's, exactly. That's the, yeah. the memorable one. I guess so. But, but there was no sort of big hook to hang this speech on. It was just a bunch of necessary exposition. Mm. So they thought we could punch this up or boobs. And, yeah. you know, yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> And it's, I mean, it's phenomenal effort by the two women acting in that role because, I mean, you think about if he'd have fluffed his lines or, you know, they would have had, like, and where do you go back to? Okay, go back to the bit where your hand was and your... Yeah, continuity was, must have been and, a nightmare on You know, that they've scene. got a coffee table full of fruit in front of them. And I'm just wondering, like, how they lined up the shot to make sure that... Like the strategic areas were yeah. covered. Yeah. Actually, just speaking of shots, just briefly, but there was... Because it, it's rare that I kind of notice the filmmaking techniques, and I should comment on that more. But in the assassination scene, where Danny and that the, the guy, the wine guy, is offering them wine, yes. and Jorah saying, "No, you drink it first. You drink it." And see, there's lots of close-ups. It's like this sort of constant cutting, like between, extreme close-ups. Yeah, like a Jorah's lot of, like, face eyes and Danny's and face yeah. and the guy's face, and then a shot from above, sort of looking mm. down. It's a very interestingly directed scene to kind of give that sense of tension and closeness but with the sex scene it's kind of just a wide shot yeah and then close-ups over the top of them it's it's almost it's almost lazy like it's almost like here's some boobs guys and also we're (laughs) going to tell you some exposition about stuff you know like it just sort of it really does feel a little bit gratuitous that that was the one everything up till now i think has been like pretty justified but that was kind of like, I was I like, rem- oh, I even, remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that because I had binged, as I have mentioned before, I binged the first series uh, the first time. And I remember watching that going, this just doesn't stop. <laughs> he just keeps talking. It's just going. He just keeps talking. And uh, for those of you who may have followed either Stu or I over, over the many years that we've been, we've been friends, we once uh, did a, probably a recap before recaps were a thing, but we did a review <laughs> of uh, the Pirates Triple X Yes, the, 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 the pornography film. The big... <laughs> <laughs> uh, adult entertainment yes. cinema. Yes, And it, it really took me back to that moment of just sort of having to kind of sit there and go, gee, it just doesn't stop, does it? it just, yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. just keeps going There is, there is sexy stuff happening on screen right now, and <laughs> everyone's cool with this, but, like, we, we have to acknowledge that this is what is happening. Yeah. This is definitely happening. So, I, you know, I think probably in that sense that they were a bit gratuitous with the nudity um <laughs> i don't know how many complaints they would have had though <laughs> no no they had some they had some there was a lot of there's a lot of hot takes and opinion pieces at the time okay. but you know i don't think most people yeah there's always that with game of thrones there's there always is. a scene or two where and this was the episode that started it i remember i remember this was what this was where sex position sort of became a thing yeah. and everyone was like oh it's exploitative and stuff but you know boobs it, boobs exactly so we're going to probably wrap up there for the uh, this evening of recording that we're doing. Yes. Um, we're counting down now to the end of Series 1. Absolutely. So we're getting there, Stu, and uh, we will see everyone back 
at our next session, which will be episode eight. Three eps to go. I'm sure everyone will be fine. <laughs> I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. Absolutely. Ned yes. Stark will go home to Winterfell with Catelyn and Rob and they'll all live happily ever after. Somehow Danny will also come across and take the Iron Throne, but like without killing anyone and it'll be perfectly fine. It'll be peaceful everyone will be and happy. joyous yeah. and yeah, winter will go away. It'll be summer for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. And Bran will regain use of his legs. <laughs> and Hodor will say something other than Hodor. No, no, I don't want that to happen. No. no. Did we mention Rob and Theon? No, and not Osha? at all. Not at no, all. okay. <laughs> so Rob saved Bran from the wildlings and they got, you know, they took Osha prisoner. And meanwhile, Theon is sort of goading Rob into to doing something to stand up for his house. Yes. And, and so also, a little bit of positioning yeah. of Rob there as, yeah. you know, the young wolf starting to come in. But That's so it. We'll and, get to and that. Theon as, as, the, as a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Okay. But we'll get to that next week. Absolutely. Next time. Next, next time. round. Next episode. Next recap. For now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> from me, Natalie and Stu, signing off saying, as always, Nala Mogulis. Winter is coming.